0: Well, it's good being here tonight, and you've heard me say this before, it's good being anywhere tonight. And uh, I appreciate you folks being here. And tonight we're going to look at a couple of things that I pray that will speak to our hearts. And without the Lord, I could do nothing. And uh, this, of course, is growing together in the Word, and we're going to study some Bible perversions. Now, as I've gone through this, I do not dwell on the, so much on the scriptures that these perversions use. I will do part of it, but I do not believe that the King James should be left out as we go through these perversions. And we need to have the truth as we look at fallacy and heresy. Well, tonight we're going to look at something called fool's goal. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6, and I want to read a, a familiar passage. It, it may be familiar to you, and it may not, but this is something that I, I believe that each of us need to realize tonight, that things have taken place in our churches, in our, uh, our families. Uh, in, with, with certain individuals, they've strayed away from the Word of God. We've gotten away from the old paths, and this is where we come back in as Fundamental Independent Baptist Church, church people. I once belonged to a church that was helping the pastor, not this church. I was helping the pastor with a website and everything. I said, now look, do you, we want to put a fundamental Independent Baptist Church on. He says, no, leave the word fundamental off of it. Well, I knew right then there was a problem. Because if you're not willing to stand up for the basic fundamentals of the Word of God, there's something wrong with you. I get a little tired of these uh, panty-waist, thumb-sucking, compromising preachers who will not stand up for the Word of God. Verse 16 of chapter 6 of Jeremiah says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. And I fear that there's many churches today that are not walking in the power of God, in the Word of God, which is the King James Bible. Now, there's many people today who claim to be theologians, people who know the Scriptures, but instead of knowing the Scriptures, they've changed the Word of God. But I got news for you, not one jot or one tittle is going to go out of this book. God's Word is going to stand whether or not this unsaved generation stands for it or not and gets saved we need to pray for the people that they will get saved and know Jesus Christ as Savior let's look to the Lord in prayer father thank you tonight for this privilege and I pray now Lord that you would give me what I need that I can put forth what each person here needs each person listening I pray they will take these things to heart and they will uh, listen to you Lord tonight through your word as we study the scriptures together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in today's culture, it's gone from let's make the Bible easier to understand to let's change uh, the Bible to fit you. If you're black, a child, a teen, a woman, a farmer, a nerd, a homosexual, it makes no difference who you are, then we've got a version specifically designed for you, these people say. These publishers come out with these things. If you're a Catholic, a Seventh-day Adventist, a Jehovah's Witness, we've got a special version for you. What about the slightly overweight, balding, white dad version? Well, there's a version for that person, too. Well, the balding part is up here, okay. Well, people, people should change to fit the Bible. The Bible should not change to fit the people. Now these versions do not have any evidence of bringing revival, only confusion and division to the body of Christ. They remove, they muddy, and they alter key verses that affect vital doctrines, such as the blood atonement, the deity of Christ, salvation, and the role of Christ in our lives. And that's a big problem we have in our churches today, of Christ in the lives of God's people. Now, people who say that what I just said about causing division, these uh, perversions causing divisions in churches and with God's people, uh, I'm labeled as a judgmental legalist and someone who is divisive and many other things. But the Bible says, go back to the old paths. And in fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 6.16 uh, 6, once again, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths." Where is the good way? That is the good way. And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. As far as dividing the body of Christ, what about the people who continually put new, quote-unquote, Bibles out every six months? Wouldn't that be considered divisive of changing, trying to change the Word of God? Now, we need to get back to the old authorized King James Version that brought about, uh, it it brought about great revivals of the last, as we look at this, as the last years that we go back and we see when that Bible was first published. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4 says this, where the word of a king is, there is power. And folks, this book right here is the word of the king, the king of kings and lord of lords. How many versions today, perversions or versions of the Bible, are really out there? Well, who knows? How many new versions? Well, who knows? How in the world can a Christian tell a person about Jesus Christ when that Christian uses a quote unquote Bible that leaves out the blood of Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and in many instances portrays Jesus as just a teacher? How in the world can a Christian who has been warned of the heretics, now I want you to hear this, how in the world can someone who's been warned of the heretics who have been instrumental in translating perversions today, how can they continually use these perversions? How can they keep doing it? Well, you know in my studies, I've discovered even another book. It's called The Bible for Dummies. There is a Bible for dummies, and folks, these people who are putting out the vers- perversions that we look at, and this one this we're going to look at tonight, these people think that we're dummies. They think that we can't tell the difference but, uh, from the Word of God into a garbage that they put out. And let me say one other thing, and I may mention this again. You say, well, why are so many versions of the Bible being put out? I'll tell you why. It's the bottom line. It's money. It's money in the coffers of these publishers, these ungodly people who are putting out these Bibles. Now, I want you to watch with me tonight as we go through this. Fool's Gold, NIV, LIF Bible, NWT, that's the uh, Jehovah's Witness Bible. Now, we're not going to cover all of these. We're going to look tonight at the New King James. But before we get there, I I want to stop and think about a couple of things. I want you to think of this book right here. This book is a counterfeit Bible, and I'm going to show you now, I'm not going to go into a lot of statistics. What I would like to do is just let the book speak for itself, and let you decide whether or not this is a perversion, whether this is heresy or what it is. Textual criticism. Now, you may have heard this word. Textual criticism is actually criticizing the Word of God. Now, if you do not have a fill-in sheet, raise your hand and we'll get you one of those. Someone will pass that out to you. But notice this. Some people study the Bible, what is called textual criticism. Well, some have defined textual criticism like this. It's the science of studying ancient manuscripts to determine the authentic text of the Bible. It is sometimes called lower criticism, It is necessary because we no longer possess the original manuscripts of Moses, Paul, and others. Texas textual criticism deals with Hebrew and Greek, not English translations. Well, now, the last part of that definition is especially eye-catching to me as well. Not being entirely true. You see, some theologians have carried textual criticism beyond trying to interpret the Hebrew and Greek manuscripts to adding their thoughts about both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. In fact, the new King James translators state they know what the human writers of the Bible were thinking when they wrote the Bible. Did you catch that? They say they know what they were thinking when the Bible was written, the book when it was written. Well, we of course only have to look around to see the results of those who have been and are using textual criticism as a means of study. They say there are no absolutes, only hints of the truth. Now, folks, there is absolute truth. That absolute truth is the Word of God. God wrote the book. This book not only is the Word of God, it not only contains the Word of God, it is the Word of God. It does not contain it, it is. These books that we study and we're looking at the perversions, they may have some scriptures in there that sound pretty good, but what about the ones they leave out? What about the words they leave out? What about the footnotes that they put in there? And we're going to look at some of that tonight. But notice this, theological modernism. Theological modernism is a result of textual criticism. Criticism of the Word of God produces doubt of the Word of God. I want you to notice Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, where it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions." Somebody says, why do you bring these things out? Why do you look at the, uh, what you call the perversions, the other Bibles that come out? I'm going to tell you why. It's because the Bible tells me, I beseech you, brethren, mark them, which cause divisions and offenses, to the contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. There's your money coming in, their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Some people tonight carry a Bible, a perversion, because it's one of their favorite TV or radio speakers that puts that Bible out and says, this is the study Bible you need to use. And many times it's this book, the the New King James Bible. Well, I got news for you. They're putting money in their pockets when they sell those books. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to sell a commentary. I'm not saying it's not, it's not right uh, to sell something that is uh, written well, a, a commentary. But when someone calls a perversion the Word of God, it's wrong, right. and we need to stay away from that. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, "'Study to show thyself approved unto God, "'a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, Rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. When allowed to go unchecked, the criticizing, doubting, and the presenting of God's word as something that cannot be taken literally is just plain sin. When this book is belittled, and that's what the perversions do, they belittle the King James Bible, the Word of God, and that is sin. Now, even to allow someone to say there is a problem with one jot or one tittle of this book is heresy. It's heresy. A little misinterpretation of the scriptures means a lot. Heresy, the definition. An opinion or belief that contradicts established religious teaching, especially one that is officially condemned by religious authority. Boy, that's annoying. What is the authority that teaches sound doctrine? What is the authority that teaches sound doctrine? It's the Word of God, the Bible. And let me remind you, if you've forgotten this, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? I spoke on the NIV a few weeks back. I mentioned a few verses in that book that leaves out something like the blood in a a specific place. Some would come back maybe and say this, and I knew this would happen. It's probably happened, maybe, I don't know, but some say, well, it's in other places in that book. It's in other places, but folks, I got news for you. If you leave it out in one place, you've left out the Word of God. You cannot take out the blood of Christ any place in the Word of God and get away with it. The Bible, when it's taken literally, answers what is wrong about letting someone present a little wrong in a Bible. A Bible study, a Sunday school, a church service, or to allow someone to teach who simply gives their opinion and what they believe the Bible says instead of what the really, really the Bible says. And I fear that there are many... People in churches today, pastors on down, Sunday school teachers, workers, whatever, Sunday school teachers, pastors that have not been called of God to do the work of God. They simply want to do what they want to do, to be seen of man. Galatians 5, 9 says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole bu- uh, lump. In other words, when one sin is allowed in, it contaminates what is around it. And when one wrong is presented as truth about the Bible, it contaminates those to whom it is presented. And that's the reason I think it's so important for people to understand about these perversions that we're looking at. If we can't take the Bible literally, then we are literally lost in our sin. Notice this. Many people are being born again through the King James Bible, the Bible seed as it goes forth. But we are seeing the body of Christ starving and withering on the vine. Now we may see some new births, but the perversions of the Bible contribute to eight things that we are seeing in churches today. And this is important for us to look at. First of all, We are not seeing spiritual growth in our churches today. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32 talks about the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Christians are not being built up today. Christians are not getting into the Word of God. They're not growing. If they get into one of the perversions they think is the Word of God, they're not growing for the Lord Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody said, the Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. There's much sin in the world today, especially in our churches. And we need to get into the Word of God. We need to stress that to God's people. Well, notice, if you would, we do not see a clean church today. Well, those churches who have gotten away from the Word of God, that is. John chapter 15, and verse 3 says, You are clean through the Word. You want to be clean? Get into the Word of God. Well, preacher, you say that Uh, that we're still in this body and and sin comes in and it comes into our body, we go and we say, "Uh, Lord, would you please forgive me of that sin? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I fear that many Christians only know that verse in the Bible. When they do something wrong, they go to God and claim that verse. Well, you need to get into the word of God and that way you're going to be clean. You get clean by studying and reading the word of God. Now, we see confusion in terms of doctrine. New versions are easier to understand. They are much easier to misunderstand doctrinally. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. Now, we do not know what the truth is anymore in the church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about those who have strayed away from God. They've gotten away from the the, thus saith the Lord. There's so much confusion and contradiction in the churches today. People don't know how to be saved. And that's another reason that we should use the unadulterated Word of God. People say, how do you know what to believe? And many people don't even know how to tell them, thus saith the Lord from His book, from His Word. If you're here tonight and you don't know how to lead a person to Christ, you need to get things right with God. Quit saying that, you're, that you don't know how. Quit saying that you're so uh, laid back that you, you don't know how to do it or, or you're bashful. You don't, Get in the Word of God and God will speak to your heart and He'll give you what you need to tell other people how to go to heaven. Now the church no longer, notice this, The church no longer has its offensive weapon. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 talks about the sword of the spirit is what? Which is the word of God. And we can have on the rest of the armor of God, and the devil can walk up and knock us flat on our backs. Unless we have the whole armor of God to protect us, he's going to do that. The whole armor of God includes the sword, our sword. Uh, our offensive weapon. Ephesians 6, 11 says that. And with the sword we can resist the devil and he will flee from you, James chapter 4 and verse 7 says. I can't have victory over the devil, preacher. What am I going to do? Get in the word of God. Read the word of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Jesus resisted the devil when he was tempted by saying, it is written. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Psalm 91 talks about that. Notice, The church is not expressing fruit. So what do you mean? John 6.63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. These are not ordinary words that we read in the true word of God. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, Galatians 5.22. If Christians are not digesting the true Word of God, they do not have the love of Jesus that Jesus speaks of. They do not have the joy inside. They do not have the peace in the heart that needs to be there. Many people are wringing their hands today and wondering if they're going to live to see tomorrow because they're afraid of a little virus thing that's going around. Well, we may die. But blessed God will be in heaven. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, get into the Word of God and let Him speak to your heart, and you'll have the peace that passes all understanding. Something else. Christians wonder why prayers are not answered. John 15:7, Jesus says, If my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will. Many people are praying and praying and since the Word does not abide in them, their prayers are going unanswered. You need to know how to pray. I remember Brother Pelletier. Is that how you say his name? Pelletier. He talked about this the other day. Luke chapter 11. Uh, wh- what do you do? Uh, well, Lord, teach us to pray. How do you learn to pray? We are taught how we ought to pray by Jesus through His Word. Luke eleven two 2 says... And he said, and he said, right here it is. Many Christians are anxious and comfortless. Psychological counseling moved into the church along with the New Versions because New Versions stripped the Word of God of its comforting power. I've studied some of these characters, these psychological teachers, psychological counselors that come into churches. I've studied some of them, I've read some of their books, I've met some of them. Some of them say, "Grab a pillow and start beating on that pillow if you have something against somebody and you want to take your frustration." Now, you you just you just have at it. Let it just go after that pillow and uh, get a cushion off a chair and let let it have it. The Bible says that We're not to listen to those characters, but we're to get into the Word of God, and we're to study the Word of God. We're to listen to what God has to say and how to solve the problems of our lives. You don't have to be anxious and comfortless tonight because the Word of God brings comfort. It brings peace. It brings joy to the soul. Now notice the eighth thing, the eighth thing. The church will not be prepared for the judgment seat of Christ. John twelve forty eight says, The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Without guidance from the true word of God, some Christians may miss rewards that God would like to give them. I'd hate to be in the pastor's shoe, in his shoes, the one who does not tell Christians how to live properly in this world the pastor who does not lead the congregation the way they should go, and helping them to know about the rewards that awaits them. Heaven is not a reward, it's salvation. Salvation comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to know something. You say, I thought you were going to talk about the New King James tonight. I have been. I've been telling you some of the things that happen when we do not stay in the true Word of God. Notice, if you would, the symbol. You see that? Thomas, Catholic Nelson Publishers, publishers of the New King James, claim on the middle, on the inside cover, the symbol, that this symbol you see up here, is an ancient symbol for the Trinity. Well, notice, Acts chapter 17:29 clearly forbids such symbolism It says, For as much then as we are the offering or offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. One, notice, one of the most occultic television shows, I don't know if it's still not, i never never watched the thing, is Charmed. Charmed details the spells and occultist practices of three witches. Now notice, the King James symbol. That's the symbol, folks, right there. The new King James symbol is the show's primary symbol of witchcraft, and is splattered throughout the series there's some books the new king james symbol is the symbol of witchcraft <laughs> exodus 2218 thou shalt not suffer a witch to live why in the world would somebody do something like that and put something on a book like that and call it the word of god when it represents the devil Notice the Book of Shadows. Do you see the symbol? The Book of Shadows. The New King James symbol is displayed on this book. The Book of Shadows is commonly used in witchcraft and Satanism. The Book of Shadows is also called uh, a grimoire. This is a journal. It's kept either by individual witches or Satanists or by a covenant group and records the activities of the group and the incarnations used. This comes from a fellow Jerry Johnson, The Edge of Evil, The Rise of Satanism on North America, page 269. And this book is also known as the book of spells. It's witchcraft. The triquita or quetta, quetra, however you want to say that, is a symbol that represents Celtic, Wiccan, and other pagan religions. Notice. The new King James logo is the ancient symbol for the pagan trinity, not the Christian trinity. Do you see who it was popularized by? The symbol was popularized by Satanist Alistair Crowley for the royal arch Lucifer of the third degree of the York Order of Masonry. I preached in a church one time, they invited me to preach. And I went there, and, and I preached that morning, and I was invited to go have lunch with the, uh, one of the deacons and his family. We sat down at a nice table. We sat there, and we were eating, and, and just all of a sudden, this deacon said to me, he said, do you agree with John R. Rice about the Masons? I didn't miss a bite. I kept eating because I knew I'd probably be getting thrown out of there. I said, I agree with him 100% is of the devil. I said, by the way, I've seen your ring. They never had me back at that church to preach after that. I did not go back. I couldn't go back. But folks, we see things in our lives that we sort of just pass over and say, oh, well, you know, that's up to that person to live their life. We need to take a stand on everything that is ungodly. Now notice. Notice. The New King James demotes Jesus Christ. Now, you see what happens here. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 13 and verse 26, chapter 4 and verse 27, and Acts chapter uh, 4 and verse 30, the New King James changes the word son found in the King James to servant. Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but let me read to you what it says. The King James says this, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go. The New King James in Acts chapter 3 and verse 13 says, His servant, Jesus... And by the way, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, the NWT, says the same thing. His servant, Jesus. King James, Acts 3.36. unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. New King James, his servant, Jesus. Jehovah's Witness, his servants. King James 427, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. What's the new King James say about that? Your holy servant, Jesus, not the Son, but the servant, a servant, Jesus. Jehovah's Witness says the same thing. Your holy servant, Jesus. And one more. Acts 4.30. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Well, surely the new King James doesn't get this wrong. Yes, it says your holy servant Jesus. At least it it put in the word holy. Holy servant Jesus. And the, the Jehovah's Witness Bible says the same thing. Your holy servant Jesus. King James says that Jesus Christ was God's child. The New King James changes that to servant. The translators of the New King James know that just as in John four fifty one, where they use the word son, the same word son should be used in the verses cited, where New King James uses the word servant. Yet, they take the sonship away from Jesus Christ. His sonship is an essential doctrine of the Word of God. And in fact, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22 and 23, parts of those, it says, He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Antichrist, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. Are these characters saved that produce these Bibles, these so-called words of God, are they saved? I don't know. I don't want to be in their shoes. I don't want to stand by them. I would be concerned that God would strike them dead on the spot. But God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, even characters that don't care anything for the Word of God. Now notice this. In Mark, chapter 2 and verse 15, the New King James uh, Version deletes Jesus once. Well, big deal, you say. Big deal. It's one time too many. There's, there's your leaven again. A little leaveneth the whole lump. In the King James, Jesus is found twice in the verse. King James, Mark two fifteen. And it came to pass that one Jesus, and that sat at meat in his house. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with two, Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. New King James says, now it happened as he, and does not say Jesus. It says he. Jehovah's Witness Bible says it replaces Jesus with the small he. What am I saying? I'm saying that the New King James is using the same translation as the Jehovah's Witness. Should we recommend that to anybody? Should we say, oh, it's, well, it's written in today's modern language, so go ahead and use it. And by the way, if you've been in a hotel recently and you've seen one of the Gideon's Bibles, you've probably seen the New King James. Not the, uh, as you walk in there, you see that. It, it's, it's a shame that this is happening. But they will also put in, in there the English translation, their translation of the Bible, so-called, and that, that bothers me, because how many people go in there, and they pick that thing up, and they see some kind of garbage that's written in one of these? Notice, why do I get so upset? Because there's so many wrong things that's in that book. There's so, so much that's wrong. This book talks about works, progressive salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. The new King James says, we are being saved. The King James says, we are saved. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Did you catch that? Which are saved... We're saved. New King James 1 Corinthians 1.18, same passage. For the message of the cross is foolish to, foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Another verse, King James Second Corinthians two fifteen. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. New King James. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He said, it is finished. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. Keep in mind, there are other verses in the New King James that indicate salvation is a progressive process. And this promotes the idea That when you get saved, it is not a finished work of Christ. The idea of the work of Christ as being unfinished is also taught in what? The Catholic Church. The Catholic Church, a progression. Notice. Matthew 7, 14. The New King James says, difficult is the way. The King James says, narrow is the way. Well, what does that mean? Narrow is the way means that Christ is the only way. John 14:6 Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. Romans 11:6 And if by grace then it is no more of works; otherwise grace is no more grace; but if it be of works then it is no more grace; otherwise work is no more work i got news for you. It's not through our faithfulness that we are saved, but faith in Christ that we believe unto salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, King James. When we do not see words changed or left out in the text of the New King James, How can we say, now some people have probably thought this, how can we say words are changed or left out? Well, notice the footnotes of the New King James Study Bibles. They subtly take away from and add to the Word of God. They take away and add to by using what's called the NU text. Now later on we're going to look, as we get into the King James study, the last two sessions of this is going to be entirely about the King James. But this, the New King James, uses in their notes what is called the Nestle alan I guess I'm pronouncing that right, Nestle Aland Greek New Testament. That's the N, and in the United Bible Society's third edition, that's U, hence the acronym NU. Say, what's so important about that? Because they take away verses. The new King James looks at those looks at those texts and they take away verses and they change words salvation is removed in several instances in the new King James notice Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11 for the son of man has has come to save that which was lost now there's a there's a little note there beside that that's the new King James by the way but there's a little asterisk or a little a and that refers you down to the bottom the footnotes of that text the nu text omits this verse king james says this for the son of man is come to save that which was lost the footnote in the new king james leaves out that verse get rid of it salvation gone notice acts 8:37 And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This verse is speaking of the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. The New King James says in Acts 8.37, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's a little note again in the New King James down there. According to the footnote, Notice, according to the footnote of the New King James, Acts 8.37 is omitted. (laughs) Folks, this is only touching the hymn. This is only touching part of what's wrong with this book. If someone would stand here and start telling you everything that's wrong, it would take over and over and over. It would take many hours to go through this book. Well, let me go down. Gender neutrality. Quickly, There are no genders, according to the New King James. Luke chapter 7, verse 19, notice what happens. It says the coming one. That could be anyone or anything. That could be, it's not even talking about a person, one. It could be a thing. The King James says he. And there's other verses. If you want to look those up, look them up later on and you'll see that no genders no genders in the new king james second corinthians 2:10 the new king james says presence what does the king james says it says in the person of jesus christ is a person not simply a presence quickly words removed the word Lord is removed 66 times in the New King James. The word God is omitted 51 times. The word heaven is omitted 50 times. The word repent is omitted 44 times. The word blood is omitted 23 times. The word hell is omitted 22 times the word Jehovah is gone the word New Testament is gone in the New King James folks the, work, the people who worked on these books come from different areas Dallas Theological Cemetery, Seminary <laughs> um, many different areas Anglicans Pentecostals? Can't we all just get along and just look at perversions? Folks, God loves us tonight, and he wants us to stand on his book, the Word of God. Let's pray.